Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host, and today I want to talk more about the Federal Reserve and more specifically how they print money. As longtime listeners of the show will know, it is a pet peeve of mine when I see or hear someone stating that the Federal Reserve prints money. Today, I'm going to use everyone's favorite friendship-destroying board game to explain how and why the Federal Reserve increases the money supply. You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host... All right, so let's talk about Monopoly. In short, Monopoly is a game where you go around a board, purchase properties, and pray that other players land on your property so that they'll give you all of their money and therefore lose the game. What the game also does is provide me with a great metaphor to teach about a critical function that the Federal Reserve fulfills. Remember that the Federal Reserve, also known as the Fed, was created to serve a dual mandate. Those two things are price stability, or managing inflation, and maximum sustainable employment. Today, we are going to focus on the former. Part of maintaining price stability, or managing inflation, is managing the money supply. The money supply, as the name would imply, is how much money is floating around in circulation between all of the banks, corporations, and individual people. Now, we're going to talk about the role that regular banks play in a fractional reserve system at a later episode, but today we're going to focus on what the central bank does. Let's start with Monopoly. In the board game, there are two types of assets. There is the cash that you have in front of you, and then there are the properties that you own. When everyone first starts out, you have 100% cash. Then what typically happens is that each player will spend most or all of their money to buy as many properties as they can. This eventually leads to a mid-game where there is very little money in the hands of the players. This is where I want us to start our discussion. Much like in Monopoly, the real world has cash, and then there are financial assets like stocks and bonds. And in both, there is the bank. When you are playing, and you're in the mid-game, almost no one has cash, but everyone has a bunch of properties. This is a very risky situation, because at that point, with no cash on hand, each player is one dice roll away from disaster. Now, this is all fun and games in a board game, but in real life, what can happen next can typically destroy families. If you're playing a game and you are one of those players that is one dice roll away from disaster, what can you do? What you need to do to be able to protect yourself is have more cash. Now, the only ways that you can get more cash are to either pass go, have someone land on your property, or sell one of your properties. However, if you're one dice roll away from disaster, you can't exactly count on passing go. Same thing with waiting on somebody to pay you rent. They might not land on your property before you need to pay someone else. And that leaves us with selling property. Well, if all of the players are in the same position as you, then no one has the cash to buy your property from you. Or if they do, they certainly aren't going to give you a fair price for it because they also need to be holding on to cash. The problem you will find yourself in is a liquidity shortage. None of the players have excess cash for there to be a healthy market of buying and selling Monopoly properties. The only way to fix a liquidity shortage is to add more liquidity to the market. But how do you do that? 
Well, none of the players have cash, they just have properties. But what if you allowed the bank to start purchasing properties back from the players? Imagine that you're in a liquidity crunch, and then, if you felt the need to have more cash, you could sell your property to the bank at a fair price. If that were the case, then you wouldn't need to worry. Worst case scenario, if you make that fateful dice roll, where all of a sudden you have to sell Baltic Avenue in order to pay the $16 you need in rent to your smug sister, you can rest easy knowing that you can sell your property to the bank and not get forced into selling for much less than the property is worth. The promise of that option alone can do a lot for making the players feel more comfortable with the low amount of cash that they have. Now that we have framed this as a board game, let's talk about real life. The liquidity crisis I mentioned in the game easily translates into the real world, but instead of Baltic Avenue, Park Place, and the railroads, you end up with stocks and bonds along with your cash. Well, in order to help add money to the financial system, a central bank such as the European Central Bank or the Federal Reserve can decide to buy stocks and bonds in order to add more cash into the system. This is known as quantitative easing, or QE. It is exactly what I've been talking about. If most people in the market have bought stocks and bonds so much that their cash position is nearly gone, having a central bank come in and buy some of those assets off of the investors takes cash out of the vaults of the Federal Reserve and puts it into the pockets of investors and companies. This brings us to an interesting idea. Much like in the game of Monopoly, all of the players have their piles of cash, but then the bank has its own, likely much bigger, pile of cash. Besides passing go, there is no way that the bank's money ends up in the hands of the players. In effect, all of the bank's money is out of circulation. Now, if the bank is suddenly buying properties from the players, then that money that was previously out of circulation now has an ability to be thrown into circulation. Central banks have piles of cash and money-making assets that are considered being out of the market. When the Fed engages in quantitative easing, they are effectively pulling financial assets out of the market and replacing it with cash. This increases the amount of money that is in the market, or, in short, increases the money supply. And now we've arrived at the point of this entire episode. A central bank, such as the Federal Reserve, does not print money. They can and do increase the money supply, but not by turning on a printer and printing cash. They increase the money supply through quantitative easing, also known as purchasing financial assets in the open market. Now, in order to do that, the Federal Reserve has a special group called the FOMC, or the Federal Open Market Committee. The FOMC meets eight times a year, or approximately every six weeks, and decides on if they need to either increase or decrease the money supply. Quantitative easing is one of the biggest tools that a central bank has. Using it can help influence the liquidity in the market and the interest rates. But the latter is something that we are going to cover in a future episode. And that's all there is to it. I've said it in a handful of episodes before, but now I have finally explained exactly how the Federal Reserve increases the money supply. Remember guys, they do not print money. Now, before I go, I do have an announcement to make. I'm going to be taking a few weeks off from making this podcast. I have a big test coming up that will end up getting me a professional designation and allow me to put some letters behind my name. This is going to be a rather intense test, and there is about an 800-page book of knowledge that I have to have memorized for it. And while it's a labor of love, this podcast does require a rather significant time investment every week, 
and I need to be dedicating all of my free time to studying. So guys, make sure that you are subscribed on your podcast player of choice so that you will be notified when I start releasing episodes again around mid-November. Thank you all for all of the support. Happy Halloween since I'm not going to see you, and I will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.